Welcome back to the rules episode where we talk about rules. First thing that we wanted to go over um, was that after some time and discussion, Brittany, Maddie, Dylan, and I all kind of decided that we want to reformat how we release the podcast. All of us have a lot of stuff going on, including this, and we don't get paid enough to do this um, full time. In fact, we don't get paid for this at all. We just do it because we enjoy it. But Dylan's working on finishing up his doctorate. His wife just got her doctorate. Maddie is working two jobs and going to school for early childhood education. Thanks. Britt's working full time and I'm working on moving up to a store manager position as well as going to school part time. So we kind of all have a lot, including one more thing that if you don't follow us personally on Facebook, this might be news to you of. Uh, including we're having a baby in May at the end of May. So we're going to have a lot going on, even more going on than we already have going on. (laughs) So with all of these things going on in our lives. In addition to this podcast, we kind of figured that um, it might be a bit easier if we um, took a step back and moved into a seasonal release period. What we settled on was a like chapter as a season, and then those will release every six months. So the next chapter which is chapter seven, Fatal Forecast, is going to release... What did we decide? It was going to be like August 9th or something? Um, Yeah, we'll start releasing the first Thursday of August. And it'll go for two-ish months, depending on how many episodes there are. And then then it'll release the first the first Thursday of February. So it's not really like six months between them. It's more like we release for two-ish months and then we... And then we have a four-month break, and then we release for two-ish months, and so on and so forth. Six months from, like, when we start releasing. We also decided that because we're releasing them seasonally, we're going to make the episodes come out once a week instead of once every two weeks. So you won't have to wait for two weeks between... Like, this two-week gap between the last cliffhanger that I left you on instead. It comes out on... I was wrong on August 6th, then the next one will be able to come out on August 13th and so on. So it will only be two months, but we decided that over a two-week release um, and over just a a binge release because we wanted to still give you guys the opportunity to listen to this as it fits in with your schedule. A couple of things that we want to do, because we're now going to be having like essentially six months off between recording and writing and doing everything that we're doing this gives us a lot more time to focus on um on like the actual game necroforge so right now what we've been doing is i have to make up x number of monsters per session i have to come up with the story i have to make dungeons and you know it's not like dungeons and dragons or pathfinder where a lot of these things can be provided for you no monster has been created unless I've already created it. So everything that I'm making, I'm making it from my own head. I can write the campaign, make the monsters, and then go in and make these corrections that we've been talking about at the end of every chapter. So we talk about, I think there's several new forms. I had to rewrite the whole combat section. That took me like just a week of only doing that. We're going to be going over XP changes. And so all of this stuff requires that I sit down and make these changes to the actual guide. And then I have to go through and make them in the beta guide. And it was a lot. And it felt like I wasn't delivering the quality of of what I would want to play. Now I can do that. I can still make everything. And I want to commit to um, several new forms and several new perks every chapter as well. Do you have anything to add, love? 
also with this release, if you guys have any like ideas for, I, I mean, I know we open up, we're very open to ideas in general, but like if anybody ever has like, oh, you know, it'd be really cool. Like this form, it also gives us more time to kind of test that as opposed to just like throwing it into the game and then having it happen. However it happens much like a meteor form. Cause that's how that ha- exists. <laughs> Um, it gives us some more time to just kind of troubleshoot and test and talk and just in general gives us more time to come up with more content is what I'm trying to say. So I think it's going to be good. You can also tell that like we're kind of struggling for forms right now because, you know, Dylan and Maddie are pretty typically using the same ones between Meteor and Ray. And going through it, I think we only have 50 forms, which is nothing. And I think 20 of those are combat. Uh, so by taking this time off, I'm committing to creating minimum of five new forms per release. I'm also going to create a minimum of five new perks, not, not per, uh, per class. I've done that and that takes a while, but just five new perks in general. And then also the beta guide has been completed. It just needs to be edited. And then the beta adventure has been completed and it also just needs to be edited. I've kind of given up on the idea of playtesting it before we actually have you guys playtest it because the whole point is that you work out the kinks. So it just needs a little bit of editing and then that will be ready to, re- to release as well. I mean, but let's be honest. Um, Dylan would use Meteor in every situation regardless of how many forms we have. Unless I came up with a cooler form than Meteor, which I, I guarantee you I can. <laughs> I know this kind of sucks. It kind of sucks on our end too because we do really enjoy playing as frequently as we play and then releasing them and hearing what happens in the story. It's always really fun. But overall, this is going to be more beneficial for a work-life balance, which is something that I am really adamant about. Yeah. And especially with, you know, everybody's got stuff going on. I think Dylan's in like the last year of his doctorate program. Like he's almost done. Like with us having a baby, it's just going to be a lot better and it's going to give us more time to bring more quality content as opposed to just like a higher quantity of content. So I think it's going to be better. We will make, we will make it better no matter what. It will be better than if we were just releasing it every two weeks by the skin of our teeth each time. And then also this will prevent any kind of weird release issues like we've had with emergencies, like the time we went to the emergency room or the time that uh, we lost an entire audio clip or, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, that, that sort of stuff. Because it will already be ready, <laughs> ready and uploaded and stuff by the time by the time it's due. So hopefully you guys uh, appreciate this as well. We do have a couple of other rules things we wanted to discuss. So last time we decided to scratch the initiative system as we test it. Yes. Um, and instead, players will still go once around. But depending on what the player does, a monster will react in between the turns of the players. Uh, so there were some points when like Dylan and Maddie were fighting a golem and Dylan walked into the room, the golems attacked him, but then he was no longer in the room. And then Maddie took a turn where she didn't really do anything. And so the monsters didn't do anything. So there's, there's still a little bit of confusion, but it's all because, well, the triggered, the triggered reaction of those attacks or movements or whatever are all within the monster's motivation. So, players aren't going to really know what a, what a creature is doing until it does it. This is my favorite thing we've ever done. You want to tell me why? Honestly, it just, it feels more natural to me than like having an initiative and it, 
I don't know. It feels smoother on my end. I don't know how it feels for the DM, but like on my end, it just feels like everything is just much more smooth. Like we don't have to stop at the beginning of combat to like roll initiative or whatever. It's just, you know, we just hop into it, which feels nicer to get into and then also a little bit scarier because like you know if you do something to piss off the monster like it might come at you and you might not have time to anticipate what it's doing on your one turn you might have like run up on it and hit it and now it gets to do something to you and you're just right there which is i feel a lot more realistic for like a battle scenario that makes sense and it's something that uh the dark souls board game does which works because you don't have a person playing those creatures it's just a it's like essentially an ai but when we have a whole group of people sitting around the table one of my concerns is that the dm is taking most of the turns and so in our example like dylan will go and do something and then i'll react and then maddie will go and do something and then i'll react and then you will go and do something and i'll react and so with three players you suddenly have to wait six turns before you get to go and take an action again is that something that you find concerning Um, it's not something that bothers me. Maybe it's just because I'm so like into what everybody else is doing, but I don't feel like, I don't know. I feel like I still don't wait as long as I would wait when like playing D&D. Like when we're doing D&D, I feel like I am much less interested in what everybody else is doing because I'm not trying to pay attention to like what the monster is going to do in response to the thing that the person does. They just like, uh, like shoot an arrow at it or whatever, whatever they do in D and D. And then the monster just kind of sits there. It is a punching bag for five turns and then they get to go. It just, I'm much more interested in it. If that makes, if that makes any sense. That makes sense. I think where we'll see something new or this idea came to me when we were playing D and D with Dylan DMing. Which, Dylan, when you listen to this, you did a great job. So whatever I say, don't don't take it personally. It was so great, Dylan. You are fantastic and amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Dylan uh, DMing the next podcast if that'd be cool if, uh, if he wants to. Anyway, when we were playing with Dylan, Dylan had D and D. When we were playing Dungeons and Dragons with with Dylan, he had us fight a, essentially a small army, which was cool. And he did initiative the way that I think initiative should be done for dungeons and dragons which is that if you have one group of the same enemy they all go at the same time and then if you have another group of the same enemy they go at a different time that they all go together so like there were infantrymen and lieutenants all the lieutenants weren't went together and then all the infantrymen went together and it was different there was still a lot of waiting because like each of these dudes had to do something which is fine i think that with necroforge we haven't really encountered a large group of different enemies yet and if we have, you guys have just annihilated them really quickly anyway. So I can't even think of us having fought a group of enemies that wasn't acting as one unit. Like we fought the uh, the soulless swarm of the babies, and that was just one thing. And then there was like the there. I mean, again, there was like that big mushy fleshy mass that we fought but also that's just one creature but like i can't even think of a time where we've had to manage multiple enemies 
I am not a big fan of multiple enemies. And also, we're working on figuring out the individual monsters, so that's why you guys have been fighting solo monsters that are bigger. And once I have those down, then we can start figuring out how we actually design encounters. And so that's something that has been in the back of my mind the whole time we're playing this, is how am I going to make an encounter work this way? So you had, we encountered two golems, which is the first time I've done that since the bats, and the bats you guys just demolished as well. The bats in Fangal. Oh, I guess we did have the bats and the frogs, but we kind of just... You skirted just... past the frogs. Yeah. You were supposed to have an encounter with Carrie and some half-orcs, but you guys just ran away from that one as well. So we're just cleverly avoiding all the group encounters so that we can focus our energy on just fighting one big boy, is what I've just heard. All these monsters have different motivations, and if you take the time to read the entire monster manual, then yeah, Dungeons & Dragons also has monsters with motivations. But, you know, that fits into a into a Forgotten Realms world, which is my least favorite world. And so it doesn't, it like requires a little more work to fit into your world. And then everybody DMs differently anyway. Anyway, on Necroforge, if we encounter a large group, I think that it would be different because they'd each have a different motivation. So like the infantrymen, in the example of Dungeons and Dragons, if we if we encountered infantrymen and lieutenants in Necroforge, I think that the lieutenants would probably stand further back to kind of give orders and do whatever else they would do. And then the infantrymen would continually attack, probably with the goal of protecting the lieutenants. And so the lieutenants may not act unless they're attacking, but the lieutenants would always react after each attack, especially if somebody's going for the lieutenant. So I think that... If we decide we want to keep this, then I need to go through each monster and apply not strict, but general motivations for each monster so that we know what they're what they're going to do. So the DM, who has the ability to make this educated guess on their own, but they can still say, okay, no, it would make sense that this happens. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would like to do more group encounters where we fight multiple enemies because I know we did the bats. Um, but I mean, just with this new way that we're doing initiative and enemies reacting, I think that it would behoove us to test that out in a group kind of scenario. Like, even though we just tend to fight like one big boy, um, I think it's important that we test out how it, how this mechanic works fighting like a bunch of little dudes and maybe like the little dudes don't act unless acted upon, so that would mean that they don't necessarily all go at the same time. It would be like, you know, there are five soldiers and I run up and hit one of them. That one soldier gets to act against me, but the others don't. Does that make sense? If only I had created an encounter where that might happen. Oh, in this next chapter? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost done writing oh. it. And there's, granted, oh, okay. <laughs> these are optional encounters right now. They're not scripted ones. Because we have a whole bunch of side quests coming up in the next chapter. Yeah, in several of the side quests, there will be at least three groups, group encounters. One you could probably talk your way out of, another one you'll have to fight your way out of, and another one you might run away from. I mean, that's okay. I guess I didn't realize that you had planned. I've been working really hard on making sure that we're testing the things that I need to test. Granted, I do have, I think, six, seven monsters in just one dungeon that i made that's optional or sorry five and one five and one dungeon and then two in another uh side quest and then i have three from another side quest one from the main quest at least one so far that i've planned for the main quest 
and then another one monster for another side quest. So I have a lot of monsters that I'm making. I have a lot of monsters I'm making. <laughs> Paul's monster factory over here and not like um, Griffin McElroy and Justin McElroy monster factory, like actual monster factory. Pumping out those monsters like nobody's business. <laughs> Pumping out those monsters. So right now we want to continue with this triggered abilities instead of uh, initiative. I do. I at least definitely want to see how it works out when we're fighting multiple enemies. Because right now with just a single enemy, I don't feel like it's cumbersome at all. But I can see I can see where it might become that way if we're fighting more than just like one dude. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking. We're going to release our uh, episode one of chapter seven, Fatal Forecast, um, on August 6th is our plan. Do we want to release another rules episode as an introduction with the new rules applied? Oh, yeah. So do like on August 6th, do like the intro rules episode and then after that start the season? No, I'm saying and then- on like uh, on July 30th, we would release the rules episode and then do... Just because I don't want to cheat anybody of listening to when we promised the first episode. I don't mind moving that up one week so we can get that rules episode out, especially since editing the rules episode is so easy. With that, with that change, because if we're going to stick with it, then I'm going to write additional rules for it. I didn't write the rules down for the triggered abilities this chapter because I wanted to test it first. And if I had written it down, I would have had to completely restructure the combat rules uh, for a third time. So what I'll do is I will write, I will actually write a separate thing about this new initiative, and then we can discuss that before we actually release the the episode on the 6th of August. Yeah, that sounds good. At the same time, we can talk about uh, the new forms that we created. I have several new items that I've also created, um, some new perks that we've come up with. That way, we're committing to you guys, our listeners, or we're following through with our commitment that we're making by taking these six months breaks, six month breaks between releases. Anything else you want to add about the triggered abilities instead of initiative? No. One other thing before we jump into the monster showcase, Brittany pointed out that XP rewards are way too high. Yeah. She said that she's maxed out her, what's like what she wants for humility. And so any XP given at this point is just like, well, why do I have it? So I struggled with XP, admittedly, when we made Necroforge. I went with the classic Dungeons and Dragons Pathfinder system of between hundreds and thousands of experience. And the reason why I did that is just because that's that's how it's been done. It made sense, but the Dungeons and Dragons level up system is you get this much experience, now you level up, congratulations. Whereas you actually have to spend experience in Necroforge, which was inspired by uh, Star Wars' Edge of the Empire which uses a like one to two point reward after a play session. And then you can use that to to buy new abilities and stuff. So kind of a little bit like we're doing in Necroforge. I decided after Britt brought this up that I'm going to drop us down to a single or at least like within the single digits for experience for monsters just because it makes addition easier on the player part. It's just simpler to track. You won't be able to gather too much experience. And ideally, this will help us create an encounter guideline. So leading into that, hopefully, in the next couple of chapters. That meant I went through all of the experience per 
perk, skill, ability, everything, and dropped those down to the single or double digits in some cases. And so everything's already been reformatted for that. And hopefully this will make it so it's a little bit easier to, or a little harder to level up really fast. Some of the consequences of this is that purchasing nodes is no longer as cheap as it used to be. It used to be only 50 experience to purchase a node. Now it is one experience to purchase a node, which is the same cost of getting a first skill, whereas purchasing your first skill was 500 experience. So there's a little bit of a drawback there, but at the same time, like you kill one goblin, we don't have goblins, and you get one experience. So it's doable. It just means that you will, you as a player will have to be more aware of how you spend your experience. I think that's going to be really cool. Um, I know I say this about like all the changes, but I think that a lot of the changes that we make are definitely for the better. And I think that this one is a, uh, you know, a step away from, you know, the mass experience gain in games like D&D and Pathfinder. And it makes it a little bit easier to track. So I'm not tracking, you know, thousands and thousands of experience where like after an encounter, I have to pull up my calculator and do it on my calculator because I can't do math. Um, (laughs) It's just like, oh, you get two experience and you're like, oh, cool, I had six. So I have eight now. So I think it's going to be a lot easier and better and more fun overall here's another thing that it did i think i have to add more level up abilities for monsters now because a lot of level up abilities are like two experience so if they kill somebody who had 10 experience like you just said then well that monster leveled up and you lost a whole bunch of experience so Uh i'm gonna work on making more level up abilities i think i'm gonna have to reformat the monster rubric as well because at this point monsters are taking up a lot of space on pages so like that that tainted that uh what did I call it? The taint rot worm, an entire page. And it's not even like a god monster, it's just a big boy. It's just a big boy, and he doesn't physically take up a whole page, it's his stat. Yeah, his stat block takes up an entire page. So I need to work on <laughs> how I word these things and yeah. It's it's some it's one of the many things on my list of things to do that I intend to do now that we have the time to do so. We'll probably revisit this. Uh, I think it's going to need some more tweaking, especially purchasing perks and skills, because I still feel like the experience cost of some things is too low. Um, So we'll go into that next chapter, at the end of next chapter, not the beginning of the chapter. Anything else you feel like we need to add about that? No, I'm just excited. Okay. I'm glad. I don't know what we're going to, I don't know what we're going to expect. All right. Well, now we're on to the monster showcase. What monster do you want me to showcase? I'm trying to remember what we fought this this chapter because I feel like... You guys ran away from like everything you fought. We did. Well, no, we fought we fought the big fleshy thing. It is we not a the big fleshy, fleshy thing. thing. It was a swarm of zombies. The big fleshy swarm of zombies. Okay. Um, we fought that. You fought Mathis. We fought Mathis again, as we do every every friggin' chapter of this podcast. Uh, you fought um, golems. <laughs> did we fight? Oh, we did. We did fight those golems. Those guys were pretty cool. And then you fought the taint rot worm. I feel like maybe we should showcase that one just because that's the big. That was the big one. Because yeah, yep. Let's start with this. I goofed. So with each of our tainted creatures, um, I had them not necessarily immune. Uh, this one was immune. But most of the time, tainted creatures were immune or resistant to death damage. And I don't know why. I just made the stagger that one time for Dylan's introduction episode. And I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are immune to death damage, definitely. And I just got it in my head that the tainted are immune to death damage. But that's not how they work. Like, the taint isn't 
death. It's corruption of Aether. And so adjusting, as I do with this, I'm adjusting all of our tainted creatures to have resistances or immunities or buffs given by taking corruption damage. Because it just makes it just makes sense as a creature. And that means that poor Dylan, who's been using death on all these creatures, is gonna finally be able to actually use death and make it a, <laughs> and like use it effectively on these creatures. It's gonna do a thing. It is good because most of the time with creatures that are corrupted, um, anytime you deal corruption damage, they would like regain HP and death would prevent that from happening. So it is going to be a good thing for Dylan. All right. Outside of that, this is a big boy. Uh, the Taint Rot Worm is colossal. It is the biggest monster that this group has fought. And uh, a colossal creature is like, what, I think 10 meters by 10 meters or something like that. I don't really want to look up the rule right now. He, f- he fit in the entire room and like swirled around and stuff, smashed some things. Yeah, and he was... I don't even think that he was in the room fully. Like, I think he was still, like, coming out of the wall at some point. He was still coming out of the wall initially, but then something happened. I think it was the twister. I think Dylan's twister brought him out of the wall. Yeah. Which, uh, one, was gross. Yeah. (laughs) It's really gross. I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. I... I particularly enjoyed the Yarf mechanic. Yeah. That one was fun. So he has, he has <laughs> first off, he has this ability that um, his natural armor gets resistance to all damage types. So any damage that was dealt straight to this dude was at half, which made it really difficult to hurt him, especially because he had 184 uh, health points. His armor class was pretty high for uh, Fortitude and Will. They were both at 17 and 16. Reflex was really low. Um, which is why humility kept hitting him with reflex or targeting reflex, but it still was only at half damage. So I needed to come up with an explanation for how they could deal regular damage. I was trying to find that weakness, get you guys the ability to think creatively to deal some damage. Uh, and that was through swallowing him or first swallowing you guys. Gross. So it was it was just so nasty. Ugh, ugh, ugh. The no, way that this it. creature's motivation was was any time that it would get attacked by a creature, it would try to grapple them, and then subsequently it would swallow them. Because the taint rot worm is so large, it didn't need to move t- to attack any creature. It just got to stand still because its reach was insane. So it gra- it would grapple and then swallow, and you take that swallow damage. It would then give most players the opportunity to deal some damage. So if a player was already inside, they'd get to deal some damage. And then depending on the amount of damage dealt or the kind of damage dealt, they would then get thrown up, which meant that you guys would have the opportunity to escape. My my idea through this encounter was that you'd get swallowed and deal some damage inside and then spit up and then swallow it again. And it'd just be this weird repeat cycle. But you guys did not do that. And that's fine. Its tendrils also did not have resistance to all damage types. The reason why this big dude took up so much space on this page is because he has like four different abilities, um, which is like his armor, his armor bonuses, the abilities of his tendrils, and then the fact that he's weak on his insides. And then he has six different attack actions because this is a boss. Like this guy's not going to mess around. He had this was a yeah. He had the thrashing grapple followed by the swallow. Um, if he did pick you up and didn't want to swallow you, because I think he could only swallow like two people at a time, it, he could he could throw you instead. Um, if there were creatures surrounding him that were outside of his reach, so because he was so large, if there was a creature directly adjacent to him, then he couldn't grab them. 
So he has another ability called Expand that would crush anybody nearby. He has a sweeping attack with his tendrils to target a large group. And then, of course, he can throw you up. So this guy, I really tried to account for a lot of different strategies you guys could use and then make sure that I only really gave one or two options for how to defeat him. And of course, that's what you guys did. We didn't even get to do all the cool stuff that this guy could do. We didn't even get there. He picked you up. He swallowed you. He vomited. He did the sweeping thing. He swept. I don't know if he threw anybody. No, I don't think he wanted. I didn't think he threw anybody. No, I don't think so. Yeah, he had he had a lot going on. And that's that was the goal. This is the worst boss you guys will have fought. And I would honestly expect that each boss after this will be this bad. And by bad, you mean good. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did have two level up abilities, which I will say, um, I know we're playtesting this and Necroforge is supposed to be very difficult and you are supposed to die in Necroforge. But I made the decision in the last chapter to not kill Brittany when I could have. She should have died upon having that critical hit being dealt to her, but it just, it would have broken the flow of the story. It would have pissed humility off again. And it would have also made it so that we couldn't have got into that cool little outro that we run into. Our good, good friend Bruins. Yes. So that is something that I decided for a podcast and it makes me feel better knowing that I can still kill characters with these monsters. But I just, if it doesn't, work with the story then i'm not going to do it and that's yeah that's just how i feel about it but if you had died you would have definitely leveled him up twice and he has two different level up abilities <laughs> one is called churn any attack that deals 3d6 corruption damage now deals 4d6 corruption damage instead anytime a swallowed creature deals damage the worm attempts a survival based attack targeting fortitude uh, and dealing 1d6 corruption damage on a hit. So basically, its stomach would rumble if you dealt damage to its insides, and it would start dealing damage to you inside its tummy. Its stomach its stomach would rumble. Um, Just a grumbly, rumbly, tumbly. Yeah, anytime a swallowed creature. Yeah, and then also, this is not an attack action. This is an ability. So basically, if you guys died and were swallowed, then anytime somebody attacked the inside of the worm, it would try to deal another 1d6 damage on the creature who is attacking the worm's turn. It's not Yikes. the worm. Yes, yeah, so this was this was a tough one. Then I also gave it crushing movement as another level up ability. Not that it would have mattered for this encounter. Uh, but anytime a taint rot worm moves, any adjacent creature takes 1d6 bludgeon damage. No attack necessary. It just gets gets smushed a little bit. So yeah. Yikes. This was a big nasty boy. I and like the the crazy part is that we don't really get to see all of the cool level of abilities and stuff when we're playing. We just have to kind of adapt as stuff happens. So we didn't even know about those level up abilities and we didn't know about the other things that it could do like expanding. Yeah, and all that stuff. I mean it's it's stuff that I try to come up with in case something happens. It's it's really it's a really good thing that I made some some monsters for Dungeons and Dragons when we played Dungeons and Dragons. Um, because it really helped me figure out how to make monsters tailored to you guys as well. Well, and like, that's the thing, like it's impossible to make monsters that are going to be an exact perfect match opponent for your party, which is why in the, is it in the beta or in the final guide? We wanted to add a, how to make monsters section. I think there's like a page and a half or maybe two pages in the beta guide that tells you, Hey, here's how 
here's what each of these things are. Here's what they mean. This is the general idea of how you create a monster. But there will be much more in the final release. Mm, yes. So yeah, I've been trying to make monsters that don't only fit as a difficult challenge for your party, but fit in the scenario I put them in. Um, or in any encounter that they're put in. Did you want to go over any other monster boys? I'm trying to think. Did we did we encounter anything particularly fun this chapter that we didn't get to fight? Because I know that the big worm was really cool. The heart, would we have ever had to fight the heart? Like if it got out? No. Uh, if you guys had, if, if you guys had not killed the worm and the worm had crushed the heart, the like uh, aether encasing the heart, uh, it would have just slurped right out through that hole that was created uh, by the worm. Oh, okay. Okay. But then, yeah, you probably would have had to fight it later. <laughs> not this chapter. <laughs> just not today. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't think you will have to worry about fighting it at all yet. Maybe. There's a lot more that can happen. Who knows? This work could come back. Well, I mean, we know that somehow that basement gets drained. Oh, yeah, I guess we do know yeah, that. Yeah, so who knows what happens there? You get, you guys didn't fight Carrie or um, the Half-Orc Revolutionary. If it's okay, I don't really want to go over those two, just because those are monsters that will be encountered in the uh, beta guide. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Would hate to ruin it. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, Carrie is actually a boss in the beta. I don't know if you remember that step of it. And then the Half-Orc Revolutionaries are different from the Half-Orcs that you guys fought. Because they have, obviously, uh, firearms and stuff. Right. So I don't really want to go over too much of those and then have somebody be like, oh, yeah, I listened to how this goes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to fuck up Carrie Good because I know her Oh, weakness. yeah, we listened to this. So, yeah, I think the only one that I really, really liked was the Hollow Swarm, which was another big monster. Oh, Horde. the zombie, yeah. the fleshy zombie boys? Uh-huh. Yeah, those were gross, by the way. Those are... Those were a, gr a gross explanation for what happened to a lot of people who were dead inside the mountain. I think that's why it was gross. I think like in a normal scenario, you fight like a big squishy like swarm of zombies and you're like, oh, okay, swarm of zombies. That's fine. But I think like knowing <laughs> why they existed was the crappy part. All right. Story time. Let's reset this. So in D&D, in &D, I had you guys fought that fight like that hundred swarm of zombies and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just use 100 monster blocks to do that. And that was miserable. That was one of the three most miserable encounters I've ever created. And so when I did this one, I was like, you know, I still want to have that horror of a zombie horde just like bearing down on you. But nobody wants to fight 100 individually statted zombies. So that's why I do these swarms instead, because this is still a big thing. Like this is a swarm of hollow. And... They're a gargantuan creature. I'm pretty yeah. They're a gargantuan creature, which is the size level lower than a than the worm you guys fought. And then they could climb up on top of each other to create to make themselves larger. It was gross. Yeah, it was a gross thing, but it was Yuck. inspired by that one game that was horrible on the PS4. What was it called? It came out last year, like in February. Uh, which game? The zombie one with the zombies crawling all over each other. Not Last of Us, obviously. It was so bad I forgot about it. I was really pumped about it when it came out. Oh, well. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, well. I don't remember. It was inspired called. by a uh, E3 trailer from several years ago where we watched a whole bunch of zombies climb up on top of a like mill and chase after a dude on a bike. Can't remember the name of the game. I know it's out, but <laughs> that's, what was, that's what this monster was inspired by. And so 
the creepy thing about this dude is that if there is a creature that dies that did not have a phylactery, it will make that creature into a member of the hollow swarm. Yuck. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Hate that. Also, because it's a swarm, it takes like, uh, it's resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing because you're not attacking the whole swarm. You cut down like one zombie. Oh no. And then also, because it's like a swarm of human humanoid bodies, if you're caught inside of it, you're going to start smothering. So, uh, or you're going to start suffocating because of its ability called smothering mass. So if you're in there, you move at half your speed and then you have to start making checks for suffocation. And you could have potentially died from suffocation inside this thing. So, so yeah, it's, it's a nasty creature. It didn't have, it didn't have super cool abilities like its actions it would like make a melee attack on any creature that the swarm can reach and that would be including creatures within it so this was actually a cool ability because you guys could be like adjacent to the swarm or within the swarm and it would attack everything within this within the swarm's reach which would be inside of it and one meter away mm-hmm. um and it would deal a whole bunch of damage to all creatures at once which i thought was neat yeah um then it would attempt to grapple and pull you into the swarm where you would start suffocating. It also had an ability called Rip Apart where it just targets like, I think, one uh, one creature. Oh, no. It also targets all creatures within the swarm and basically causes them to have disadvantage on their next endurance check to avoid suffocation. Gotcha. Man, that would have sucked. <laughs> That's why that dude inside died so quick. Oh, this poor man. Um, That's okay. He had a flag tree. He was okay. He was okay. They They have some lore alongside them. Uh, which I didn't include in the monster block, but it will go on the page. They only die permanently from fire, which you guys learned. Um, Right. They also have a weakness to fire, but they will get up within minutes if they are killed by any means other than fire. Gross. Yeah. So it, uh, it may mean that you defeat this gargantuan hollow swarm for now, but then in a couple minutes it's back again or it leaves and it does something else. So unless you catch it on fire. Exactly. Which which we did, right? With most we of them. caught it on fire. Yeah, and then they some of them like left. Yeah, you guys got them down to like a small swarm. It's like a couple dudes left wandering around. Yikes. Wandering the forest ready to turn more into hollow. <laughs> oh, gross. He was a cool monster to fight, but not as exciting as the tame rot worm. No, yeah, definitely not. Still cool, but not as cool as that big boy. All right, is there anything else that you think we need to go over? No, I don't think so. Um, just a reminder, we have moved to Anchor. So if you listen on Anchor, you can listen to us there. But we're also available on Spotify and iTunes now. We were available on iTunes before, but we're now also available on Spotify, which is cool. Yep, that's where I like to share it because Spotify is cooler than iTunes. Uh, Everybody loves a Spotify. Or obviously, Anchor is just an easy free thing to download too. All right. Um, well, it's going to be a little bit till we talk to you guys again. But obviously, if you have any questions or comments, um, reach out to us on Twitter. Britt, what's our Twitter thing? Our Twitter, our Twitter handle is um, at Guild of Misfits Games. And then you want hashtag so I haven't changed. The Forgecast? <laughs> I haven't changed it. Uh, yeah, hashtag The Forgecast. Um, you can talk to us on Facebook where we're Boundless Forge Games, or you can email us at uh, necroforge at gmail.com. If you follow us on Facebook, we use your names. Uh, I don't think we were actually yes. able to go over all the people who were named in the last season, uh, but we did have several. Yeah, okay. So um, we have Carrie, 
named for Carrie Richardson, um, who follows us on Facebook. She is Carrie the the angry starling. Um, she is, like I said, featured in the beta. So thanks, Carrie. And then also we have Bruins, who was named for Ariana Bruins or Ari Bruins, um, who follows us on Facebook. And then there was another dude, Emmett. This is the first time we met De- we met Emmett. Oh yeah, we've heard Emmett's name before. Um, Emmett actually reached out to us via email to talk to us about Necroforge. So Emmett, if you're hearing this, awesome! You did make a big character. Thank you for doing that. Um, oh yeah, and we finally named the Roostmaster. His name is Boyd, by the way, and he is named for Tristan Boyd. Thanks, Tristan. And thanks, Tristan and Emmett and Carrie and Ari. We also introduced Chariot. Who's that named for, Britt? Uh, that's named for my friend uh, Kellis, who is listening to us from Scotland, which is super cool. So, uh, Kel, if you ever listen to this, thanks so much. You're super awesome. And she followed us somewhere, didn't she? Yeah, she follows us. On, she followed us on Podbean. I think that she switched over to Anchor now. So basically, what that means is that if you communicate with us in any way or follow us in any way, look at that. You're going to get a character named after you. Um, Probably. We need we need ideas for character names, guys. We're not good at making up names for characters. You should see when we don't have a name, the names that are given to these characters. <laughs> yeah, true, true story. Like Asher. Before we start, I have already named a couple characters that I want to go ahead and call out. We have Sagain. That was another person who followed us on Podbean. Thank you, Sagain. You will be in the next chapter. And then also we will have Dottie, um, named for Will Dottie, a coworker of mine who also follows us on Facebook. So I have more names. I promise. There are so many more things that will happen. And then also we're going to reintroduce, as a little like cliffhanger, we're going to reintroduce Dakota. For our first, dun, dun, dun. our first Podbean follower. So welcome back, Dakota. I really hope that nothing bad happens to your character, but it's up to the party. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to the party, isn't it? Always, it though? always is. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for your listenership. We really appreciate you. And uh, if you have any ideas, comments, questions, or concerns, you are welcome to reach out to us in any fashion. <laughs> we'll see you guys uh, in late July and in August. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Necroforge was created by Paul and Brittany Swenson, and they are joined in playtesting by Maddie Eby and Dylan Krischer. The Forge is edited by Brittany Swenson, with music by Darren Curtis. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, please rate and review us. It really helps. Have a question? Comment? Want to host your own Necroforge campaign? Email us at necroforge at gmail.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And remember... None of this is possible without your continued listenership. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.